to another episode of Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, what's going on? Derek, we traveled downtown, and I mean, would you really call this downtown? This is my favorite part of downtown. Yeah, it's really I agree. easy to get to and really easy to get out. I mean, I've got to call it Larkinville. I think, you know, we're building up enough of a scene that we, we're our own little thing. But yeah, I mean, we're downtown. If I was like, oh, we're just outside of downtown. But I like to say Larkinville. I agree. The Well, let's start with introductions, and then we'll dive right into all things that we're about to enjoy and are have been enjoying, essentially. Perfect. Go ahead. All right. So my name is Craig Altabello. I'm the owner and operator here. So... That means I'll be serving beers as well as mopping the floors as well as doing the accounting. So most of the time when you're here, you're going to see me. This is Magic Bear's Beer Cellar. I like people just to call it Magic Bear. We'll probably get into that in a little bit. However, when you walk down the street and you just see a big bear and it's called Magic Bear, what do I do? I, I sell beer. Okay, I'm a, I'm a certified Cicerone, which makes me kind of the equivalent of a wine sommelier, but for beer. And we pretty much do everything we can for the elevation and education of beer. So when you come here, you are in a comfortable atmosphere to kind of explore, enjoy, just like when you gentlemen came in, you, you tell me what you're thinking or what you're normally going to drink. And I do my best to get you what you want. And then I allow outside food, whatever you're eating. I don't care if it's a pizza or a tuna noodle casserole. Like I will find you something to drink that you'll just say, I didn't realize tuna noodle casserole would be this good with this. And, you know, that, that's that's kind of my job as a Cicerone, but more so just as the host of Magic Bear. You know, I want everyone to enjoy what they're doing here. And then we also have some food. You know, if we're just hanging around, I've got nice meat and cheese boards, some dips that I make here. So not a full service restaurant. You can always bring in the outside food. Perfect for the food truck Tuesdays here. We got hydraulic hearth right down the road. A lot of, a lot of cool stuff going on in Larkinville. I've got Toasted Buffalo. Their second location just opened up a few weeks ago. Right next door to me, we share a vestibule. So a lot of, a lot of different options that you can do. Main thing we do here is ensure that, ensure that you have a good beverage while you're you know, enjoying your evening. Now, what year did you guys open? We opened last year, the last month, uh, December 3rd, we opened to the public. So, I mean, we, I, I pushed to open in December because that's kind of like, you know, the month that everyone goes out. It was the beginning of the Omicron skirt, uh, mm-hmm. surge. So I was like, got to open for Christmas because everybody's going to go dormant in January, which they did. Everyone usually goes about two weeks doing their dry January, and then they're like, I deserve a drink. So push to get open. December 3rd, we opened up. We've been open ever since. We took like a little break when it was getting pretty hefty with the uh, rise in the cases Mm -hmm. of COVID. We're just like, let's step back. Winter's, you know, not to quote uh, Game of Thrones, but winter was coming, and we decided... We decided let's hold off. So I shut down for three days, just opened up for Friday, Saturday, Sunday again, and then right back into regular business hours because we're, we're closed Mondays anyways. Just took that little break to kind of let everybody catch their breath because it was a fantastic December. In January, you know, everyone could just use a little catnap. So the Cicerone process, what made you get that? Because that has to be unique to come to a place like this and be able to have your knowledge and pairing knowledge for beer. I mean, you see that a lot with wine, and now you're starting to see it with whiskey, but what started that process for you? So to me, I find it unique. There are uh, quite a few Cicerones in our area, but a lot of them are, you know, reps for beer companies. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply or in the brewery there's not many owner operators that are cicerones i kind of wanted to do it because i have a background in education Uh, i used to teach for about six years high school math and then i wanted to do classes here at magic bear so why do i take a class from this guy because he has a lot of beer on the shelf he's got a beard he's a bigger guy like Check the box. I'm your, your, you know, your typical demographic for someone that's going to be talking about beer. So I kind of wanted to, you know, put put the money, put the beer where my mouth is, and let people know that I have taken the time to get to that elevated level, so that when someone does ask me a question, I have an in-depth answer. And if I don't, I will come back with that answer. And it's so far I have not been stumped Uh, you know most people it surprises me that they don't know some of just the basics of beer and that's what I want to do here at Magic Bear is allow people to come in and be like oh okay I I learned a few things so you come in here it's the elevation education of beer I try to do like a wine bar cocktail bar but with beer as the focus because I believe beer doesn't take a back seat to any beverage and it should be treated as such how did you make that jump from teaching to owning a business well there was uh there was definitely quite uh a transition in between owning the business so i taught for about six years as a high school math teacher loved doing it loved being with the children didn't realize how much politics went into mathematics uh sorry just went into education Mm -hmm. uh new york state it was just i was being pushed to just teach to a test that's not what i do like if i'm trying to educate you about beer it's not like we'll just drink this you'll like it it's Mm -hmm. wet you know what goes into it that type of stuff. And I'm a mathematics teacher. I want you to understand how we got to that answer, not just put it in your calculator. And it was a lot of, this is how you do it on your calculator. And that's not how I taught. That's how they wanted me to teach. So I ended up leaving education. I went into hospitality. I'm originally from Niagara Falls. So I was at Niagara Falls Hard Rock Cafe, not in Niagara Falls, Ontario. They are the two closest hard rocks in the world though. Uh, that people don't realize how busy that hard rock is there are the hundred days of summer from basically memorial day to labor day where just from opening that door to closing that door we were doing about four million dollars in just those hundred days it was yeah and i worked there since 2003 just as a line cook then a server so i've always been in hospitality before that i you know i'm from niagara falls i you name it i've done it i've washed dishes i've been a prep cook line cook supervisor bartender basically everything over the summers i didn't teach summer school 
I went back to the hospitality industry. It was my chance to like not be with children, talk with other, you know, still end up being with children a lot in the hospitality industry, but it was my way to just like kind of, ha. and you walked out with some, you know, good cash in your pocket as a server or a bartender. And then I would go back and, and start teaching again. When I knew I didn't want to continue uh, in the educational world, I was like, I need to go kind of, you know, private sector. I had this passion in the hospitality industry. I didn't want to be one of those people like, I like to cook and open a restaurant. I was like, no, go be a restaurant manager. And that's where I got hired at the Hard Rock. I was there for quite some time and they were basically ready for me to ask to be a manager. And with my math background, I ended up taking over the bar. I did very well. I mean, it's a very just simple process of trying to make things profitable. So I did really well there. I excelled there. And then I got recruited with a couple other gentlemen to go help the Pagulas open up 716 Food and Sport, Mm. which then went to the draft room. I actually resigned. They knew I was resigning. My wife, uh, she's fantastic. She's got a business degree from Cornell and she landed a very good job. And there are a lot of restaurant managers and restaurants for me to get a job at but what she does is pretty niche so we kind of followed her career i went to new jersey for 18 months was general manager of a joe's crab shack nice that's a good way to put it and then i'm gonna take a sip of beer (laughs) not into seafood huh no i love the seafood it was one of those uh, maple road had one there's um you know a few different concepts have gone there's a storming crab there now it's just one of those places where every night you're supposed to make your staff dance and when the the disco ball goes and you're like come on guys you know i just was tired of being the guy that's like we gotta go out there and sell more crab you know it's your 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 clothes your car everything smells like crab it is just ridiculous how much you know i was basically sebastian living underneath the sea Uh, it was good the company it was a great company. You know, I was, you know, sharpening my teeth, learning a lot of stuff. I was a general manager there. And it was nice. I got out of my element a little bit. You know, I had been at the Hard Rock with some really good mentors. They're the same gentlemen that I went over to the Bagulas with. So we kind of always like this tight-knit group, you know. We were, if you didn't know something, somebody else probably knew it. It was nice. Now here I am going down to Jersey right outside the big city to run a, a $6 million uh, Joe's Crab Shack. I was very uh, happy. We had all-you-can-eat crab night. And I was the number one all-you-can-eat crab in the country for a while. Um, I don't know if that's something to boast or not, (laughs) but if you can just think about people that are angry at you for not bringing crab fast enough, that was my life every Wednesday for 18 months. (laughs) But I learned how to uh, operationally kind of just control that. And then we decided to move back for some family reasons. Uh, When my boss, you know, When I left and resigned from being the GM of 716, he just said, let me know when you're coming back. Like, I don't care. We'll make a job for you. And that's what he did. He he made director of business administration. I said, well, what is that? And he's like, I don't know. We'll figure that out later. He's like, I (laughs) I just need that. Yeah. And for a little while, I just was kind of asking a lot of questions and seeing what people needed help with, taking some, you know, basically everybody there was wearing too many hats. And I was like, well, let me take that hat. Let me take this hat. That sounds more like, you know, a desk, you know, finance type of thing. I'm going to take that off your plate. Oh, you're the director of culinary. Why are you doing this? Let me take that. So I just started taking little bits and pieces from everybody to kind of just make uh, the team a little bit stronger. And that's what we did. We started to grow. Um, from director of business administration they had me take over director of operations so I kind of just had this amazing opportunity to learn every facet of the business my strong mathematical background just allowed me to be able to handle the numbers I mean restaurant numbers aren't the most ridiculous it's you know burgers and fries Mm -hmm. most of the time beers 
So I was able to excel at that. Things got to a point where I kind of was like, I might want to start doing something on the side. I kind of just didn't like the direction we were going and my voice wasn't really being heard as much. So I was getting very passionate about the beer industry because I developed the bar menu for 716, very, you know, very busy bar. But I, I most enjoyed the beer side. It was kind of when Community Beer Works, Flying Bison, which is right across the street from us, um, Hamburg, Big Ditch had just opened. So, you know, we didn't have a lot of the breweries that are open today. It kind of just blew up. But every time I started talking to brewery owners and getting into the craft beer, that was just, everybody was just jovial. It was just a very fun atmosphere to be around. It was, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. Everybody was out to just help each other. There was not like cutthroat competition. And I was like, I, I really like the beer side and I really like beer. So it kind of went hand in hand. So I just knew that what I wanted to do was going to be in beer. I'm not a home brewer. I've done some home brewing here. I'm not going to be one of those people that are like, like I said earlier, I, you know, sometimes people can cook really well and they're like, I'm open a restaurant. I don't even brew. I'm not going to try and open a brewery. But what I can do is educate. I kind of wanted to get back to my roots of education. I was looking around, trying to see what the area needed. And we didn't at that time have a ton of these bottle shops. And I thought that this would be something, you know, I don't want to have a, a heavy focus on food. At that time, that's pre-pandemic, you know, it was even tough finding kitchen help there. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I want to do something not really too heavy on food. I really want it to be beer focused. And I was like, the beer store and bar concept is what I really like. And then I was like, well, if you're going to do it, do the best you can go out and get that Cicerone certification. So I started studying that pandemic starts just out of nowhere. You know, I was negotiating this lease and it was like, okay, you can, you know, change course or just keep doing what you're doing and i just took the pandemic as like a chance of like study as best as you can you know craft your knowledge craft the business i basically had everything all planned laid out and landlords were were fantastic we kind of all just took a step back decided let's see where this thing's taking us and you know we just we just weathered the storm for a while and i knew when my chance was ready that i was just going to come in here and give it my all and that's what i've been doing since december 3rd that's awesome the cicerone certificate it's not just like a checkbox and then you print out an online certificate right like it's more involved than that i'm assuming correct so there's four levels of cicerone uh it, it it was made probably about 20 years ago by ray daniels out in chicago so there used to be three steps level one is certified beer server level two is a certified cicerone that's when you're allowed to use the title of a cicerone then there was master cicerone and they wanted the master cicerone to basically be equivalent to the master sommelier they realized that to jump from cicerone to master cicerone is just a ridiculous amount of coursework so they were smart they were they were they created a stepping stone called the advanced uh cicerone so level one you basically you know you could take a, a one or two day course usually online it's multiple choice uh answers and you pretty much can pass it if you pay attention to your instructors and you print out that certificate that's for the server part? that's the yeah. certified beer server gotcha. so um for reference there's about two hundred fifty thousand of those in the world then when you want to become a certified cicerone it's all short answer 
and essay questions. You have to take the test in person. They ended up allowing online testing during the pandemic, but then there's a tasting component. So you have to do four, uh, three flights of beer. So it was actually 13 beers I had to try. Um, the first flight is all about brewer's flaws. So flaws that would come from the process of brewing the beer. And there was a control beer, nothing's wrong with it. And then four other beers, one of them is tainted. Sorry, one of them is not tainted. And then the other three are tainted, meaning they just put a chemical spike in them. And then you have to go through, find the one that's not. The other three tell them what's wrong with it and then how you would avoid that in the brewing process. Next flight of beer comes out and it's called Style Discrimination. And it's four beers. The beers are supposed to look hard to determine just based on eyesight, right? Like if it was a dark beer, right. they're not going to say stout or a pilsner. And you're looking at it and you're like, eh, stout. You know, it's it's basically like, is this a double or a doppelbox? So you got to look at, you know, the phenolic profile and certain things that are going to be indicative of one style over the other and just say, is it this or that? Then the last four, they don't tell you anything other than what style of beer it is. And then you have to say, is it fit to be served? So if I taste this beer, I'm either saying, this is a good beer. That's it. You don't got to do anything else. Or you say no. If you say no, you have to say what's wrong with it, what causes it, and then what are better techniques as an owner and handler of beer to avoid that in the future. So that's the tasting component for the certif uh, certified Cicerone level two. That you have to do in um, in person. So I took, you know, I was kind of waiting to take the written because I wanted to like cram and do it all at once. It does have like a 50% pass rate, so it's. It's a difficult test to pass, but most people fail on the tasting because you can cram for a book test and just study, study, study. But when it's here's the beer, tell us, you know, it's like, you know, you have to really, you know, study. It's tough. You got to drink a lot of beer. So they were adding chemicals in to mimic a flaw in the brewing process? Correct. So when there's a That's flaw. Fascinating. Yeah, well, not when you have to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> was it really noticeable or you had to? Well, it was amazingly. Well, I was very happy when I went there because you can buy, they also sell you the kits to, to do samples. They're very expensive. Um, you know, like 150 bucks a pop. And when you mix it, they tell you how much to mix. And I'm tasting these beers and I'm like, uh, tell my wife, honey, I, I don't know if I, I don't know how well I'm going to do. Cause every beer, the easy one is skunked. Okay. Skunked mm -hmm. is like, just tastes like a Heineken. Almost every Heineken you ever drink is skunk because that's 3MBT is the chemical compound. It's basically light interacts with the iso alpha acids and makes it taste skunky. You smell it, you know a skunk beer. Most people when they drink Heineken, they don't realize that it's skunked and then they just expect that flavor almost. Does that happen more with green bottles? Yes, it does. The The green, clear, and blue bottles only, because what causes skunking is UV blue. So the blue rays and UV light, 90% um, of that's blocked with brown bottles, only about 20% with the green, white, uh, clear, mm. and blue. And then can blocks all of it. That's why you're seeing a big shift to can. It's, it's easier to uh, recycle, totally gets rid of the 3MBT. But 3MBT is a chemical compound that happens, so they can easily just add it. One of the funny ones is diacetyl. Um, diacetyl tastes like butterscotch or buttered popcorn so much so that chemical is used in buttered popcorn at the theater like they take that wow. to make the butter if you're eating a jelly belly and you're like oh buttered popcorn it's it's literally the chemical that uh, creates the diacetyl so that one's pretty easy to spot and that's probably the most common one that you'll see because that'll come from like dirty draft lines as well as a, a, a failure in the brewing process 
So it was tough when I was sampling them myself and, you know, you kind of just sip them and you, you put it in your mind what it tastes like to you because all of our palates are different. Mm -hmm. You know, when you guys are tasting bourbon, I'm sure you're picking up on some notes that aren't there and then, and vice versa. So to me, I'm just like, okay, this acetaldehyde, I'm getting, I'm getting apple Jolly Rancher. Like forget what the books say, forget everything else. My mouth says apple Jolly Rancher. So when I'm sipping it, if I get apple Jolly Rancher, acetaldehyde, you know, that's, well, I get excited. Sorry. (laughs) For bad beer, right? <laughs> but that, when I went and took the actual exam, like the diacetyl, like I'm picking it up and as I smell it, I'm like, I might as well put this down. That's butterscotch. Like, I, I literally thought I had Orville Redenbacher in my hand. So they had higher concentrations mm. than what I had tested myself. So going through it, I did much better than I thought I was going to do just for the fact that I think they were... You know, they mix it. They, they do a nice job of it because there's a, a master Cicerone uh, oversees the exam. And when I talked about those levels, there's 250,000 Cicerones approximate, about 4,500 Cicerones, the level two. 250 servers, right? 250,000 of the servers. Right. So we'll just okay. say level one, two, three, sure. four. Level one, 250,000. Level two, about 4,500. Level three, about 400, I think. And then level... For the master Cicerone, there's 19, to my knowledge, there may be some more that came out of the pandemic. We actually have one, Ryan uh, Daly. He lives in Hamburg. Hmm. So he's master Cicerone. There's a good Netflix documentary that he's in. Um, really? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, check it out. It's a, it's a good one. He's a fantastic guy. I've met him a bunch of times. Uh, one of the most knowledgeable people about beer that I've ever met in my life. Um, with those, um, there's different amounts of... Uh, flaws that each level make that they test you for but when you take the actual test a master cicerone is uh administering the test and proctoring it and then they also have an advanced cicerone that has no knowledge of what's going on kind of as the control so they sit there and drink it because sometimes they'll crack a beer and that beer might be faulted on its own you know they didn't spike it but yeah no it got light struck somehow or the brewer messed this up so the advanced cicerone is sitting there taking the test with all of the um attempting cicerones so that there's this control so you know you could challenge a question and say no i i believe there was a acetaldehyde in there the advanced cicerone's there taking it blind as well to kind of be that second level of control so they they take it pretty seriously so that's wild it was, it was, and I didn't have much sleep when I went and took it. My son was like one month old, and I just, everybody, there was this backlog because you couldn't take the in-person exams. So when they first, and I really wanted to do it before Magic Bear opened, and I just yelled up to my wife, who's like eight months pregnant, and I'm like, the Cicerone exam is opening up. And she's like, oh. So she runs downstairs, and we literally were watching the uh, sessions gray out because you have probably thousands of people who have been waiting to take this test, and people are just buying their ticket for the tastings. And we were just looking at it. She's like, you should, be, you should be good month after he's born. I'm like, are you sure? Are you going to be okay? She's like, just do it. So I click it, buy the ticket, fly out to Chicago. I'm there. It's the first full night of sleep I've had in like a <laughs> month. And then it's like beer, 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 bad beer. Because they spike off. Because I was like, oh, cool. You get to go try a bunch of beer. I'm like, yes, but it's all bad. It's all right. bad beer. And I'm supposed to pick it out. Are so. you spitting it out to like wine sommeliers do? Um, you can with, uh, with beer more so than wine because of the carbonation in the mouthfeel of beer, it's better to kind of like swirl it around. And then there's the final sip that, um, you can then get some retro nasal kind of, uh, aromas and stuff off of it. So I'm like, 
a few sips you should definitely swallow to get the full taste of everything but you know if you want to revisit something mm-hmm. you can feel free to spit like if you go to a, a, a beer judging competition where they have you try 25 beers usually you're taking one or two sips doing some swirls and doing some spitting at the end but there is a difference in that that one sip that does give you kind of like the full flavor so you got that for multi-purposeful but mostly to educate so what type of educational things you do here at magic bear all right i'm glad you asked uh so cicerone the word cicerone is uh latin comes from uh italian uh from cicero he was an orator and it means like one who does tours throughout um villages or museums so basically Cicerone and I, I treat myself as a tour guide of beer. So my classes are kind of tours of beer. So people are like, oh, do you teach how to brew? And I'm like, no, I, I am more, uh, you know, like a tour guide of everything you would want to know about beer. So I have done, uh, so far we have done Get the Most of Prost, which is all just different German styles. So we try different German styles, actual, you know, not American interpretations. I get imported German beers that, you know, we offer here and we try a little bit and we talk about the cultural relevance, kind of like the timeline, the, you know, stylistic characteristics, the brewing process. Everybody gets a little meat and the personal meat and cheese board. So we're just eating, we're talking. It's very, it's very much like this Mm -hmm. where it's just conversational. People get to ask a million questions. So it gets, you know, a lot of tangents. I say it lasts about an hour. That one was like an hour 45. And I'm like, has anybody got dinner reservations? Because (laughs) they're like, no, this is great because I'm there. That's what I want to do. I want to answer people's questions and they ask a, a ton of them. But then we had cheers for American beers, which basically is just the timeline of American beers, you know, start with American lager, work our way to a stout. Like how do we go from this light crisp beer to this dark coffee roasty beer and it's still beer right um and then we do that and uh then you know those are kind of like my cultural classes then i do what i call tastings which sour power we'll try four five six different sour beers traditional like berliner weiss or gozas and then we'll try like the fruited sours like some people come in and they ask me like well don't you have to have fruit in a sour i'm like well i mean sours have been like at one time, all beer was sour because they just didn't have refrigeration. <laughs> so people don't really realize that. So that's kind of the idea is like broaden your horizons and we'll just take a look at sour styles or we'll do shout for stouts. And it's like, OK, what's the difference between a porter, a stout, an imperial stout, a barrel aged stout? How do we get from this to this? What are the nuances? And then I do pairings. So right now for the month of June, we're doing uh, beer and cheese pairings four beers four cheeses a little bit of all the nibbles i call them here so just stuff for you guys you know people to snack on and basics of pairing and why i chose this beer with this cheese and we just go through it it's you know beer cheese good conversation it's just fun time do you have to sign up for that yeah so i sell tickets um i was doing basically only private and virtual during you know the first few months because of Mm -hmm. uh, mask mandates and people were just kind of feeling things out so in april i started just the regular classes so i have a 12 i have two six foot tables that come together make a nice 12 foot table in a semi-private area and it's just a communal class so it's a good networking opportunity a lot of people have done it for you know corporate happy hours but you just buy a ticket that ticket gets you the beer samples gets you the hour class and then gets you the personal board so the board's either like a small meat and cheese board if we're just talking about beers Mm -hmm. if it's an actual pairing then it's the cheeses meats chocolates whatever we're pairing with the beers and then a little bit other stuff to nibble on just to you know little sustenance while you're drinking 
I have to ask, what's the story behind the name? <laughs> let me let me take a sip before that one. <laughs> okay. I like that. No, I get I get asked quite a bit about the match. So I'll hit you with the um you know, the the quote unquote corporate. I mean I'm a mom pop shop, it's pretty much just me, but um what I wanted to portray with the magic bear, when you when you look at the magic bear, it's big, burly bear, just relaxed chilling he's right right when you walk through the door you see him he's supposed to represent this comfortable welcoming atmosphere to explore and enjoy craft beer however the name actually came about because my wife um you know talk about guys that drink beer with beards uh calls me bear so i've been her bear forever and when i did leave education went into hospitality she was you know i was fortunate to invite her to some of the higher profile pagula kind of parties and she just went to me one day and it's like i never realized you were the magic bear and i just was I, you know i laughed a little bit and then she kind of like kept that going you know we started hosting a lot of parties at our house and that was like her like inside way of saying like good job craig she would just be like there's that magic bear there's that magic bear so we were coming up with different names and you know i was like should we call it taps and caps we called it you know a lot of been there done that type mm-hmm. of stuff and one point I just yelled down there, I was upstairs on the computer, and I'm like, what about just calling it Magic Bear? And she she loved it. She was like, I was thinking that. I didn't know if it'd be corny. And I was like, a lot of places are like, you know, adjective noun. You know, right. it's, it's, it's always like, oh, so Magic Bear. And, he, you know, what makes him magic? I don't know. He drinks beer, you know. But the, the magic part I wanted to portray was like kind of the feeling you get when you're here. You know, and, but when I have guests come in here, I want them to feel like they're in my home. They're in a place where they can just enjoy I, you know, try to develop this as an elevated place. You know, a lot of a lot of fantastic places to drink beer in the city. But a lot of times it's, you know, metal chairs. It's industrial. Mm-hmm. This is supposed to be a comfortable sit down, enjoy yourself, some some nice uh, selection for everybody. I have beer alternatives as well. And that that's kind of the magic. The magic is, wow, you know, that that elevated hospitality that you get when you're here. And that's what we wanted to portray. The beer seller, what do I do when you're going down the street? You know, is it a toy store? Is it a -A Build-A-Bear workshop? Got to have beer in the name. So we decided Magic Bear Beer Seller, which does end up being a mouthful. But that at the end, people, they just say I was at the Magic Bear. So regarding colors and themes, obviously I grew up watching what Derek would never watch, but it was Winnie the Pooh. So is the gold supposed to resemble honey or is it something else? Well, it kind of is up to interpretation. I've gotten a lot of different people. It's supposed to represent beer. Um, you know, the one room is a different shell. You were right on. <laughs> well, a lot of beers have honey. Uh, amber is a very uh, indicative color of beer. Uh, if you look above the shelves here, um, I think you can kind of see it in your frame. That's the SRM scale. That's the standard reference method. Oh, cool. Um, so that's how my beers laid out. So if you nice. want a Pilsner and you're like, I like lighter beers, well, go to the lighter colors. As you get down to the darker colors, that's where the stouts and porters are. So I kind of tell people, hey, it's not perfect, but you kind of know where you live, right? Like if you're looking for something in the middle, go in the middle. If you're looking for something lighter and so on and so forth, and then the styles go up and down vertically. So I'm over on the left. I'm looking, oh, Pilsner, Wheats, Pale Ales. Great. Go all the way to the right, porters, stouts, and just overall multi beers. I kind of gave my designer that as inspiration. She came back with this mustard color. I told her I wanted purple. Purple was all me. Mm -hmm. Um, I just have always liked the color purple. Um, The color, actually, not the movie. Nothing wrong with the movie, but... The, the, I was like, I want that as my accent color. And she's like, okay, purple. 
checks it off. She knows about that. Had a friend doing some murals and stuff. So we just kind of wanted like this whimsical feel. And she's like, if you're all about beer and this, that, the other, let's kind of portray that with some of the colors on the wall. And then there's these little globe lights that are in the windows as well as above the bar. So the bar kind of is supposed to represent almost like a beer, right? It's this beer color. There's these whimsical different color, uh, sorry, different sized globe lights. Those are kind of like the beer foam. Mm -hmm. And it's just this immersive kind of beer experience. You're here, you're sitting at the the beer bar and it's kind of, you know, beer colored and Sit back and enjoy a couple beers. Now that you say that, I could totally see that. Like, that's what you were going, and now that you say that, I could see it now. Yeah, perfect. It's pretty sweet. It is very comfortable in here. Thank you. Yeah, it's as soon as you relaxed. walk in, it's not like a like a beer cellar. You expect it to be like you just go in, metal everything, there's beer on the wall, and you go, you grab one, you pay for it, you sit down, and you shut up. Like that... That's kind of like what the vibe I would feel like would be for a beer seller. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. That or there's so much beer that you're just surrounded by cans and you're like i don't like this like you found a way to separate a lounge vibe with a beer as an accent which is really cool that that that's what i was shooting for there's a lot of places that i love but some of them feel like you're in a beer store that you can drink Mm -hmm. and then some of them you don't even realize you can buy a beer i wanted to cross that line of here's a place to enjoy beer for here or to go you know the ultimate guest is someone that really enjoys some stuff they come up and they said this was fantastic do you have it in bottles or cans because they want to take some and share it with someone else that's kind of like sharing the magic right you enjoyed it bring it bring it to someone else that's one thing that you know beer does people will try a beer and then they want to they want somebody else to try and be like you gotta try this and um that's the idea you you come in here i don't want you to feel too immersed in it even though i just told you you're sitting at a big beer at the bar it's subtle everything's supposed to be subtle i wanted it comfortable so you can spend a couple of hours and not feel like all right my back's starting to ache you know i get a lot of compliments about the bar stools they're very comfortable it was just designed to be a very comfortable place to to knock back a few and then kind of explore right that's what i loved about the concept because people typically get like beer shock that's why i'll always carry some familiar brands because there are some people that just go to what they know and then eventually that's what i love most is people that are drinking a beer and they're like all right 
this is what I've been drinking, Craig. What should I be drinking? I was like, you should be drinking what you like. That's don't let anybody mm-hmm. tell you anything different. Drink what you like. But if you're asking me what you should try, try this. Okay. And we kind of like, we'll, you know, travel the gamut and try different stuff. Nice thing about the uh, 12 taps is I let everybody try a sip of whatever they'd like, because I want you to enjoy what you have. If you just go and you pick a beer, then I'm like, I don't know if they're going to like this. That's, that's not the point of what we do here. So try a sip of it. And I've had plenty of people like, thank you, because I don't want that beer. Because <laughs> if not, right, like nobody likes to turn back a beer because they'll just they'd rather choke it down and, and basically not have a good experience, leave and they're leaving with a bad, you know, literally a bad taste in their right. mouth. So my goal is, no, let us find something that you really like. And I, I do believe unless, you know, unless you gluten free or something like that, dietary restrictions, there's a beer for everybody out there. If not, I've got a whole selection of beer alternatives. We do ciders, seltzers, meads. We try to showcase a lot of local stuff. And then I, I have a really good wine program as well. We do wine by the bottle as well as by the glass and just a little bit of something for everybody. How is sourcing? from A place like this is odd, right? Because it's not like I have six taps and then I, every distributor is fighting for a tap. You kind of have a share there and like a market share. But with this... It's just kind of like, I got space, man. Like, I, I just want to bring this in. I want to bring this in. So what is the back end of bringing in different things that aren't typically seen in the city of Buffalo? So I, one of the things I try to do, especially during the pandemic, is go to breweries, right? Not just to sit, judge the beer, judge the people, right? Like when I pour people a beer, I'm like, okay, this is from this brewery. This is where it is in New York. And this is what they're known for. And I kind of can teach people about that brewery so you know i'm fortunate my in-laws have a house in owasco so when things were locked down you could stay in new york we just kept going back and forth to like auburn so you'll see a lot of prison city here i think it's a fantastic brewery but it's also beer that i was drinking and i just knew how good it was not everybody wants to take a two-hour ride to go pick up prison city if i can bring it to them that's a part of the magic Mm -hmm. so i try to get beer that I think is very, very well made from very good people. If I have an awesome time at the brewery and there's awesome beer, what I'm trying to do is bring that experience here. So you'll see that we do a lot of tastings with breweries. I do a lot of collaborations. So everyone asks, like, do you brew? And I'm like, I've, I've brewed here and there, but not to the point where, you know, some people think I'm a, this is, you know, an actual brewery. It's not. I'm a retailer. But the collabs that I do, I got one with 42 North coming out. We did one with Brindle House. Right now I've got a mead on tap from Lily Bell Meads mm. out in Lancaster. I go there. We pitch some ideas. I help brew the beer, we come up with a style, a name, and then I'm the only place that has it other than the brewery. So it gives a little bit of exclusivity, but it's also another you know, elevated way to provide something for the guests of Magic Bear. Here's something from a brewery I think that you should be trying, and here's also something from them that you can't try anywhere else. So it's kind of like that you know, two, two-sided uh, approach to really showcasing what a brewery can do. Another good one, for example, is this Brewery Arden out in Lake, um, right off of, uh, in, in Geneva. It is an old sheep farm that just transports you like as if you're in the hillside of Belgium. Arden is actually an area of Belgium and you go in there. The first thing that happens is the guy, the guy, the brewer and slash owner, his father is welcoming you at the door, telling you about the history of the place. He's got like a a Belgian chef preparing fantastic meals. And then he does all Belgian style beers. And I went there and I could just feel from the second I was in there 
how much passion this person had. So I, I just was like, I need to bring this to people that don't know about it. And what I love hearing is people are going to that brewery because they've tried the beer here because I'm talking about it here. And that's the, like when I, you know, to go full circle and talk about why I got into beer, that's a part of like the beer culture. Everybody is kind of like on the same team. It's like we're team beer, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not this brewery versus that brewery. Of course, there's always going to be some rivalries here and there, but it's team beer and bring good beer to people. I went to a lot of breweries in the Finger Lakes and I, you know, I try to, I, you know, we had a beer with uh, Resurgence, 42 North. Those are places people can easily go to. That's why sometimes the collaborations are kind of cool because it's something now a little bit unique. But I try to strive for stuff that people might not be taking the trip to go see. And then I can bring that experience to them. That's awesome. What do you, from your education and knowledge, what do you account for the fact that some people like draft over cans? What's what's like the makeup of a draft beer that entices some people as opposed to cans? Is it like some sort of uh, line or something? I don't know. Well, there's there's kind of like two things. One, it is just like a mental thing, right? Like you can't, unless you have a kegerator at home, you can't get draft, right? So there's that exclusivity of I can only get draft when I'm at the bar. I could take this can to go, so it's not as special, so to speak, right? Having it from draft is the experience of going to the brewery, of going to the beer store or bar. You can have draft there. You can't necessarily have it at home. Even if you get a crawler or a growler, it's not the same as beer from the faucet. I do also find, like, I'll take a very uh, good example um, that I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, Genesee's Ruby Red Kolsch. I like it so much better on draft. Don't get me wrong. My fridge is full of it. I like it in can. But in can, it's a little bit more carbonated, right? It tastes a little bit more like a soda. Maybe that's why I drink them like sodas. Um, (laughs) You know, I've been known to put a few of those down. But when I first got it in on draft, I think here's where I first tried it. It just has a different carbonation level. And when you pour it, it just drinks a little bit smoother. And here's a, you know... And you could put any beer in there. I will just call it Beer X. Beer X and can versus draft tastes slightly different because, A, typically when the, the draft comes in, it's fresher. It's straight from the brewery. They're pouring it as fresh as possible. Bottles and cans could be stored for a while. Stored at the distributor. I mean, so can a keg. You know, don't get me right. wrong. But typically that draft is going to be a little bit fresher, a little bit more of a better representation of the brewery than something that's meant to be on a shelf. So what do you, is it the same thought process behind what you put on draft? Is it what you bring in the, like as cans where you try to make it a little bit more exclusive, what you bring on the draft line? So original. One thing that boils down to is I bring in what I, I kind of want to drink because mm-hmm. that's here, what I'm talking about. I'm here. I'm here a lot. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> I have definitely had some like, OK, this is, you know, one guy that works here, Matt. It's fantastic. I was like, I got this in because I just want to drink this. This is this is a beer that I've been wanting to get um, and I want it on draft. I do the 12 taps. They're all based on styles, right? Number one, when you come here, it's a Pilsner. Okay, it's a Pilsner or lager. Two, I try to do a wheat beer, typically a foreign. So whether it's a. Uh, a wit beer or a Hefeweizen, three, four, five, you know, I've got three hazy IPAs, two sours. So I put a sour on when it's out. So people, my regulars, they know what's on line eight and nine. What's on, I know I'm a number one. I got people that come in and sometimes I don't recognize them. They're like, stop there, Craig, give me number one. Like they, <laughs> they don't need to know the rest, right? They want their Pilsner and they get to know my draft system. So that's kind of like, you know, when you do have too many options, 
that's a nice like centering factor. It's hey, I need to put something pretty malty mm-hmm. on number ten and above. Before that, it's sour. So my eight and nine line, eight, I try to do more of a traditional style sour. So a little bit more citrus forward or like right now we've got uh, a traditional style goza. It's got some sea salt in it. It's fantastic, especially as the weather's getting warmer. Nine is more of my berry sour. So I usually kind of say yellow or red. Um, that's the little more uh, fun style. It's got as much, um, you know, additional flavors as possible. Could be the strawberry, banana, this, that, the other. So those are my two sour lines. People that like sours, they know they can go right there. And then I got a sour section on the shelf. And then the shelf is kind of like that as well, but I got a little bit more leeway because there's a lot more options. And those 12 draft lines, they are kind of coveted. But I also try to pick beers that, in, in the beginning, I was trying to go after like harder to find beers. And there's a lot of places, they're just, that's, that's their, their shtick. Like these beers, you can only... My clientele, I'm getting a lot of people that are coming over from Flying Bison. I get a lot of, you know, um, people, uh, older older folks, and they don't care. They just want good beer. Right. And I, I was like, okay, Craig, you can, you can put a keg here and there for yourself, you know. Don't drink all of it. <laughs> but give your people what they want. You know, a good example is I just brought in... Uh, Ithaca's apricot wheat. Like, I love that beer. It's fan- like, but where are you going and seeing that on draft other than Ithaca any time in the last decade? Yeah. It's because there's so, but people come in. That's like a typical line three item for me. Um, draft line three. I like to put a one fruit light crisp beer. So whether it's like a blueberry pilsner from Brickyard Brewing Company out of Lewiston, which was fantastic, or like an apricot wheat. Or right now the ruby red Kolsch. It's Here's a crisp beer with one flavor. That sells like crazy here. That's one of my fastest moving lines other than obviously some of the hazy IPAs because a lot of people, especially, you know, uh, the females, they they want that refreshing, nice, you know, they're, they're, I get people of all makes and models that like will blow my mind that I did not expect you to order that beer and <laughs> cheers cheers for ordering that because they know more than I do and I was just like whoa so you never judge a beer drinker by the cover but typically you can spot what people are you know older older folk usually stick with like the one two three beers the sours are usually the you know the younger crowd and then there's some people that are just diehard multi fans and the nice thing about sticking to styles like that is it just guarantees a little something for everybody mm-hmm. on draft one thing I don't like is when I go to a brewery or I go to a bar and there's just like 12 lines, 20 lines, and 10, 15 of them are IPAs. Right. Love IPAs. One of my favorite styles. But I want to be able to try a bunch of different stuff from a brewery. So I just try to cater to everybody. And if you want more IPAs, I mean, I got three. You know, that's one. That's 25% of my draft lines. I got another like 30 on the shelf. So people will go. They'll try something they haven't had, you know, that's sitting on on one of the lines and then they're just let me go peruse and they start uh you know just picking off cans that they haven't seen did we fit the profile with me getting a german and him getting what'd you get i got stout and i go with stout you you totally went you were like i need something light and crisp and i i I gave you number two which is light and crisp and then you're like i'll actually take number 12 i was like all right fair enough (laughs) what's here's i was gonna talk to you about that because basically um i told you off camera i'm not a massive beer guy cherry wheat (laughs) sam adams cherry wheat got me into beer boston lager kept me in beer and then i found like fruity 
non-sour beers, and I was like, that's super good on a summer day. Like, after yard work, just crush one of those, move on. And then stouts just, like, overtook my life. And it, it mainly, I mean... I'm South Buffalo Irish, so Guinness is just like I was born into that, so it's like one of those things. And then after trying multiple different stouts and then they figured out that you can make coffee stouts, I was like, well, that's a really good beer. (laughs) So now there's so many different stout options, but I'm trying to find more stouts that aren't Guinness and that aren't coffee stouts. So if those exist, I'll just... Come talk to you. That will come talk to me. Yeah, there, there are plenty. Okay, and especially since you guys are you know into the whiskey world so yeah. much, there is just so much beer going into whiskey. Bur- like, so I don't know if you ever had uh, Forty Two North's barrel aged Krupnik quadruple. So they use Buffalo Distillings Krupnik Krupnik barrels. Yeah, and they age quadruple, which is a style of Belgian beer in it. So it's not quite a stout, but it's a dark maltier beer. But here are flavor profiles that. People probably would never have thought that you're going to get out of a beer. And those are some of the you know boundaries that are pushed in, in the beer industry. And they were one of the first ones to do it. And it's, it, it's really interesting because it's kind of gone full circle, right? You, you have brewers that started using bourbon barrels, wine barrels, whiskey barrels. Now there's winemakers that are aging their wine in like barrels that had beer in them Mm -hmm. and then there's um i think guinness came out with a few different whiskeys that were like ipa because they would use the barrel that they would age it's just it's this whole like southern tier did that yeah it's it's this full circle of and i i give a lot of it to the brewers just being you know very experimental and open right like beer is one of those things that has four basic ingredients and and wine's fantastic but literally with wine you're just using the grape juice and it is great because you've got to take what came from the sky and ended up in the dirt and grew and not screw it up that's that's what that's what the venters do is like take this perfect yield and don't screw it up what's what's fascinating too is as derek and i and i'm going to speak for you because get over it ever since 2019 we've been really diving into so many different things between whiskey and beer and learning so much about it and it really came down to us realizing that we're obsessed with grains like and we're obsessed with barley and barley's huge in beer and we couldn't figure out like why that tastes so good like what is that what is that and now that we like literally farmed it we're like well that answers that question because now i can pick it up in almost everything yeah so when you brought up the stout and you know i know you guys are, are very into your bourbon if you think about the raw ingredients that are in that it's the same in beer then think about the food that americans italian every ethnicity eats like what are we eating we're eating bread we're eating grains mm-hmm. you go back ten thousand years they basically say that beer helped civilization because you needed a potable beverage to drink to make beer you have to boil it for it to be fermented it cannot kill the yeast so when you can make a beer you can drink it that's not true for what water you find right so when you have a barrel of beer you have that so they say that the civilization came about getting together around the crops because that's what made your bread that's what made your beer and that's what kept you alive you know it left from hunter gatherer to hey we can produce for ourselves as a species and the biggest thing that we would do was harvest grains because you have to hunt you have to do this we're in charge of growing the grain to make a product out of it so that's like your first artisans other than that it's like 
you know, there's there's artistry and, you know, if you go to Moriarty Meets, like that guy's an artist. Mm -hmm. But if you are taking something and making, you know, we were talking a little bit, you know, before this about like baguettes, you take a French baker and they make you a baguette and you're just like, okay, this basically has like three ingredients and you made this thing. And then all you do is spread a little butter on it. And you're like, I, I could just die now. Maybe give me a beer and I could die now. And then basically <laughs> you're just drinking bread and eating bread and we eat so much grains that that's why beer is just so easy for people to drink because it's very at the base elements of what it is very similar to the stuff that we're eating every day and then if you think about the fact that you really like stouts that is just like the toasted roasted aspect of what you do to grains so people that you know when people tell me they don't like stouts i'm like well you drink coffee like every day and i'm like why don't you try this? And they're just like, that's, I, I never realized. It's like, because people, you know, you gotta understand. Back in like World War II, like totally just prohibition. Then you've got the World Wars. You got the Depression. All there was was like Budweiser, and they were coming in, and basically what they did was sell their beer. They would find out what local beer was going for and just undercut it, lose money because they could until they drove everyone out of business. And the next thing you know, you were un-American if you weren't drinking Budweiser because it was very Americana. And that was what was pushed for a while. Like the biggest things in marketing were like TV dinners, um, the Marlboro Man and like Budweiser. <laughs> like these. Yeah. Like this was America. That's America. Your America uh, came from, you know, and that was when radio turned to television and that's, you know, some of like the tour guide stuff that I'll do. Like that's the history of American beers. It was nothing but like Pilsners and lagers. And if you think of prohibition, there's people that went and never had a real beer. They go, can't drink. Now when they can drink, it's this very light, crisp Pilsner style, you know, American lager. And then you give them something very robust from like Belgium or like, here's a big roast. They're like, ah, their palates weren't ready for it. You know, they were used to drinking. That's why soft drinks got so big. They're soft because they weren't hard, hard meaning having alcohol in them. So people are used to sweet. They're used to sugar. They're not used to the grain flavors and beers. So it took a very long time. It wasn't until about the 80s until like, you know, thank God for all the home brewers out there. And a lot of that was because they were backpacking throughout Europe going, wait, this is beer? Why don't we have beer like this? And it was them that started the Sierra Nevadas and, you know, the Brooklyn Brewing Company, like, and, you know, the Flying Bisons, you know, like these breweries came about because it's like, there's more to beer than yellow fizzy liquid. Um, and then people are like, oh, I don't drink stouts in the summertime. I'm like, do you not drink coffee in the summertime? I'm like, this is this. And then, you know, they'll drink something like this recessed out. And they're just like, this is like a nitro coffee. I was like, yeah, just brought like that's another beautiful thing about just tasting it. Take a sip. And that was great. Like you came in, I gave you a little bit of the first beer, like, you know, you liked it, but you I'm not feeling it. Went, you got this, you're like, Yes, I want that. That is what I want to happen at Magic Bears. You are sitting enjoying a full beverage versus mm, I would have drank the other one, but it wasn't gonna hit the spot like that one did. Yeah, it wasn't full enough. Yeah. It, it just I needed a little thicker of a body. You know, I need a bigger bear. There you go. Thicker body, bigger bear. You're in the right place. I like it. What is the, the nitro handle? So nitrogen was introduced by Guinness, I think in the 50s. I might uh, might be off by a decade. So in England, they do Cascal. Um, Flying Bison, I'll keep putting them out there because they, they, you know, they just, they've been around for a long time in Buffalo. Every Friday they do a Cascal. And if you haven't had Cask, I suggest trying it. Um... Cascal basically means 
it is served from the vessel that it was brewed in and there's no additional carbonation added. So when you have a draft system, typically there's CO2, sometimes there's you know a, a blend of gases depending on some of the nuances that we won't go into. But CO2 carbonates the beer, that's what moves it through the handle. Well, there's some purists in, in England. They're like, no, don't do that. You're changing the flavor profile. Going back to what's the difference between can and draft, they're like, you are ruining an artisanal product by just pumping gas into it and now making it fizzy. And it goes, it fills your stomach, and you, know, you also can't drink as many when it's that carbonated because it's filling you up with gas. So... A cascal, you're literally getting it at like cellar temperature, so it's about you know 55 degrees, 60 degrees versus the ice cold you know 38, 40 that most uh, refrigerators are, and you use what's called a beer engine. So instead of pouring it, you're pulling it. So it's kind of like a mechanical, it's mechanical force, the same as like a bicycle pump, where you're just creating a vacuum and then that's pulling the mm. beer through the line, which will then fill the glass and it makes this like creamy. You know, you guys said you just came back from Ireland, like when you drink there, like you. You know, you might as well be drinking a glass of silk. That's what it's supposed to replicate. So nice. It's just, you know, when you do that, you, you realize like, okay, I could see myself getting in trouble by drinking a lot of these. And that's what they do in England. Most of their beers don't go above 4%. You know, they have like four, four and a half is their highest. Like a lot of people tell me, oh, Guinness is too heavy or it's too, Guinness is a light beer. Like technically it's like 4.2%. Most light beers are 4.5%. So Guinness came up with, okay, how do we create cask, but it's not, we can't get that to the masses, right? Not everyone's buying these beer engines. So they decided and came up with using nitrogen. Nitrogen doesn't seep into gas under, you know, it needs a lot more pressure, more pressure than we're using for CO2. So it has enough to push and move the beer, but it doesn't dissolve within the beer. That's why when you see a Guinness or a nitro tap being poured, you see like this cascading foam, because what that is, is it's all the nitrogen escaping. It's coming out immediately versus CO2. It stays in there, it creates the head, and then it'll slowly kind of dissipate. When you drink a Guinness, it's creamy, soft, because it's not full of bubbles. They all cascade it out, and then they settle at this like nice little silky, just thick, tiny, small nitrogen bubbles laying on the top of the beer. It's, I mean, when you pour a Guinness, it's kind of sexy. You know, it's just like, oh, yeah. You know, you just look at that, and it's intriguing in its sense, and that's one of the things with beer. It's just, it's kind of an experience. It sounds different, too, coming out of the tap. Yeah, it is just, you know, when you are using the nitrogen, it's escaping. So they recreated that in the cans now. Like, you'll hear um, the term widget. So some of them, like a nit- uh, nitro Guinness. When you're done, it's got like that little like ball rattling like a spray paint can. What that is, the widget has nitrogen in it. When you crack it, the uh, you know difference in pressures allows the nitrogen to escape. So it's escaping, and that's what kind of creates the the effect. They're now doing it without the widget. Uh, certain breweries and they're just kind of like injecting the beer with the nitrogen and totally like pushing all the co2 out so it's it's vacuum sealed just a little bit of nitrogen you actually shake the can before you open it which will kind of like agitate it so then as you pour it you know it says shake gently pour vigorously so you shake it kind of gets that nitrogen like oh yeah all right it's time it's time to go it's time to show (laughs) and um you pop it little 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 might go in the air but then as you pour it out that's it you see that 
beautiful like when you're pouring a guinness from a nitro tap take place in your glass if you don't shake it don't pour vigorously it won't happen and what's happening is it's just it's not escaping as fast as you want it to and it you know it doesn't have the same effect that's what you had yes he had um Mm -hmm. he had nitro he had the nitro today uh, you, dude. I'm being fancy. There you go. <laughs> being fancy to start the week, you know? I knew you were magical. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. No, I mean, this whole place is just really cool. But the benefit is that you can have these conversations because you're here. Yeah. Which is nice. It's really cool to have that um, relationship with your clientele, you know? It's it's not common in the city. There's a lot of – there's even businesses that are absentee owners. No, 100%. It's like, what is going on? Like, what's happening? You got people, you know, in some of these breweries that are popping up, I feel like people are like, there's a lot of money in beer. We, we see it. We do that. And, you know, there's breweries that are opening up that don't have brewers yet. And to me, you're doing it backwards. You know, there are some fantastic. I have to pitch the Briar Brothers opening up this. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Love it. Great guys. One of them lives here. I was just I was just buying their beer. Black market, whatever you want to call it. Five mm-hmm. bucks a can supporting them because they're making beer and we have for years. Okay. They're making great beer, and then they finally are like, we should open a brewery, and they're doing it right. It's opening soon. Go check them out. Those are people that have the passion, that have been working on it for years, and then they want to share that passion with someone else. My passion is the hospitality aspect. That's what I'm trying to share. I'm the educational component. I, you know, I got a master's in education. I want to share that. So that's what I do here, and I want to share great beers. When I see people that, all right, there's 25 different owners add on some investors and then they're opening a place and the beer is secondary right stop just stop right there the benefit is that in buffalo it's super rare that that happens agreed Uh, which is amazing i'm just saying that's that's one thing i'm seeing throughout the entire country around everywhere it's Mm -hmm. just there's people and you know this and I'm not going to be here always. You know, the idea is, you know, not to always be behind the bar, but you're going to see me floating around, might be sitting in the purple chairs, might be having a beer, but I, I like to be with people. You know, I'm a people person and I want to enjoy beer with people. So that's why I decided to do this because, you know, they tell you just, if you didn't have to worry about money, what would you do? Right. right? I don't know, sit and drink beer. So Sounds great. Cheers. <laughs> what are your hours again? Uh, so we're closed Monday. Uh, Tuesday, just 5 to 10. Wednesday, Thursday, 4 to 10. Friday, 3 to 11. Saturday, 12 to 11. And then Sunday, 12 to 6. And then we'll shift Sunday around with the Bills games. So if there's, you know, we kind of, on the website, we wouldn't say, like, you know, subject to change mm-hmm. due to when the Bills play. I, I love have, that. Do you have events here, too? Yeah. So we, um, one, I do private events. I mean, what's nice about the place is it's not too big. Um, 60 is like, you know, the architect says 90. I wouldn't want 90 in here um, other than like a festival. Like 60 is just, it's vibing. I've had some private parties. We do that. The events, we do a lot of tastings. We have trivia on Thursday nights. That's one of our best nights. That usually has about 50 people there. Um, and it just feels lively. You know, it's not packed, but people everywhere. I actually have some bistro tables that I'll put out for some extra just standing room only. Uh, and that you know that's that's the good vibe you know that like 50 to 60 mark and people will come they'll have uh birthday parties here we've done some 40s we've done some 50s the best one so far has been a surprise party because the semi-private area i have i do have these sliding doors so the one door like we just slid that door closed and just by doing that you still feel a part of everything Mm because you see everything from that room but somebody walked their mother in 
and they walk by and everybody just jumps out on the side and it, it just it worked perfect it was like okay you guys gonna do a surprise party and it, it just was fantastic and you know like i said i don't do a full kitchen but i do like meat and cheese mm-hmm. charcuterie um, and I do displays. So if people are having a little party, I put that on the end of the bar and you can have a great happy hour, have a great birthday party. And it kind of just that area kind of comes off as like, you know, there's something going on sure. there, but it doesn't impede on the normal walk in business. Then I've had full buyouts. I mean, we did about a month ago, we did a baby shower and I was just like, you want to do a baby shower here? She's like, well, I can't drink. And I just want to give people what they want. And we don't really want to provide everybody with hard liquor and you've got everything else. I was like, perfect. And it turned out like it was a beautiful baby shower. I mean, everybody was comfortable. There's plenty of room. And then again, there's a little bit of something for everybody. So a lot of people are like, oh, you got five, six, seven ciders. So I was like, yep, you know, and the seltzers and nobody feels alienated. Right. And that's one of the things I wanted to do. That's part of like the magic bear aspect is like, you know, a lot of times somebody's being dragged out to, hey, let's go, let's go to this new brewery. And they're just like, I don't really like beer. I've got people that are like, I don't believe, you know, you've got a nice Vermentino by the glass. I'm like, yes, I do. And I have a cheese board if you'd like that. What? I'm like, yeah, here you go. There you go. I want to sit in the purple chair. So, you know, <laughs> that's the vibe. The vibe is come, have fun, how, however you may come. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've got you covered. Where can people follow you on social media? So at Magic Bear Beer. I have to say it's slow because sometimes it's beer bear, bear, beer, beer, bear, bear. So that was one of the tough things when I, you know, I didn't sample that enough. But yeah, just uh, the website's at magicbearbeer.com, Facebook, Instagram, Magic Bear Beer. So think of the Magic Bear. What's he got? Beer. So follow us there. I use Instagram a little bit more. The stories are fantastic. It's a little bit more uh, easy and fluent for business owners. Facebook uh, reaches a little bit more demographics. Um, so I still try to keep that up to date as much as possible. So Facebook and Instagram are the major ways. If you're trying to get in depth, take a look at the website. But I am, you know, I do my best to keep things up to date to the beer I got in, you know, just this week to the events that we're having in two weeks, this, the upcoming Friday, whatever we have. If you check out Instagram, it's going to be on there. Awesome. Well, Craig, thank you so much for your time. This has been awesome. This place is sweet. If you haven't been down here, you have to come down. There's going to be something for you. Just come on down and figure it out because if you don't know what you want, he'll tell you what you want. So I can guarantee it. We got you covered. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.